we doing i'm all right buddy yeah good good so this is rather exciting isn't it wow where are we old rockers on the road on the road wow we've left deeper suffolk we have <laughs> we kind of what are we going to do we've i don't know suffolk. i don't know wow blimey yeah. it's truth this is indian country it is to us absolutely um, so we've come to to um somerset somerset yeah. we have indeed shepton mallet yeah and we've been invited by a very nice lady mm-hmm. from the Pocket Money Studio, yeah, uh, who's very good friends with producer Danny. Hello, producer Danny. Hi, Mr. Hi. D. Hello there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's good. And yeah. we've come to uh, interview some fantastic, mind-blowingly brilliant. We've got a very busy couple of days. We've got a very busy couple of days. But yeah. the good thing is we're starting off with a mega bang, I think. Because uh-huh. I love this guy's music. Yeah. I absolutely love this guy's music. Yeah, we're having a little listen to it. Oh, and, uh, it's like, wow. wow. Brilliant. Very tasty. Very tasty. I've checked out the stuff. The solo stuff is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely. so good. And, of course, his previous band, yeah. Noah in the Whale. Which we always think of you when we mention that. Thank you very much. Yeah. I have been on a diet, by the way. <laughs> Just for all our listeners out there in podcast land, do not pay any attention. We're the to guys who put the pod in podcasts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Well, let's get this. Shall we get him on? Go on then, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Owens. Hi, right, Matt. It's great to meet you. It's really not a pleasure to meet you. Um, as I said, we were listening to, to your stuff and uh, we were wholeheartedly impressed. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. So, you know, we normally start with, could you tell us a little bit of history about how you got started playing and what you started, you learned first, like instruments and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's great to be on the Old Rockers podcast. I, move, I grew up in Twickenham mm-hmm. and I grew up in Twickenham because my dad moved from Worcester he wanted to hear the Rolling Stones on Eelpie Island. Ah. He stayed down there for uni, and that's where he met my mum and everything. So I grew up looking onto Eelpie Island. Yeah, very famous. Favourite climbing tree looked on there as a kid. Wow. And so when I was about 11, I inherited uh, all my dad's record collection. So Stones and Cat Stevens and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was playing violin and piano at the time, and I was desperate to play guitar. And uh, one of the best things my mum ever said was, no, you're not allowed to. Wow. So it was kind of had this, I had this kind of forbidden fruit of like, I remember watching a school rock band when I was about four. And it was one of those really boring concerts at school where everyone had to get up and like do something if you had lessons at the school. So you had kids playing, you know, their thumb on a piano or playing a silent classical guitar that no wow. one could hear. Mm-hmm. or flute and it just went on forever and um, at the end this school rock band came on and played they all had long hair and they had like <laughs> played really noisily and looking back on it I think they did a garage rock version of Money for Nothing and then they did Johnny Be Good I mm. saw that at the age of four and I was like hooked I was like how'd you do that and mm. I, was, I, yeah. I wasn't allowed to go near that Right. Okay. I wasn't allowed that to was, finally at 11 I found a classical guitar in the loft it used to be my mum's 
And I taught myself on that for a bit. And then finally I got my own electric when I was 13. Fantastic. And it kind of started then. And yeah. then I formed a band at school as soon as I got this guitar, weirdly, with my best mate. And the rest of the class, actually, there was about 11 of us. We formed this um, band called the Nuclear Toads. And the drummer in that was the drummer in There and the Whale. Uh, okay. Ah, so that's so where I'd the known, I'd known here. I met well, I met Doug on the first day of school. Yeah, and um, he took me. Back, we had a play date that weekend or whatever. That's when I met his brother Charlie, age two, who mm. turned out to be the lead singer. Of yeah, in the whale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I went off to uni, played in various bands, um, and then moved to London. Back to London, quit, and my band broke up. That was in a house together, and I was getting supported by this duo of brothers called Noah and the Whale. Oh, and right. so they were like, are you free? Do you want to join, basically? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll join you guys if, like, you know, you're gigging the whole time. They were gigging, like, six nights a week. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Was that around the London area then? That was around – that was all over London. All over London, Playing yeah. to literally often nobody. Great so, band, you know, But great. And did that, and then eventually, you know – we got picked up and signed and everything. Uh, how old did you say you were when you were doing that? Um, I would have been about, I think I was about 21, 22 when I started. I was straight out of uni. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, I was bass. in a band throughout uni, but I went to uni in Bristol. Oh, okay, yeah. And my guitarist, I mean, my drummer went to uni in London. And my our bass player went to, was Birmingham. And our keyboard player was Edinburgh. Proper uni band. So every that weekend. a real uni band, yeah. isn't it? Every weekend we'd either go to Scotland Birmingham, London, <laughs> or Bristol. <laughs> Fantastic. So every weekend. So it's kind of a really in a kind of in a way it was really amazing and in because we'd literally be really regimented with it, making sure that we went to visit the other so it was all fair and stuff. Yeah. We tried to do Birmingham a little bit less. But then um I'm joking. Birmingham fans. <laughs> but the um <laughs> But no, but but it wasn't really a uni experience. But the deal I kind of had with my folks was that if you do if you get a degree, then you can kind of um, you can do first. music full time yeah. afterwards. That's very sensible. It kind of was, and yeah. then it was also kind of you kind of come out of these things. You're like, well, how much further down the line would I? I mean, it all worked out okay. Mm. Yeah, some 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 would say not, but the um, you know, if you just I don't know. I don't know. We, I could have been three years down the road more with my music. Well, you know? I don't but know. But there you go. Yeah. Hey, you never know these things. It was good fun. Yeah. It was good yeah. fun regardless. Perfect. So what when you got picked up or when you uh, obviously know her and you're doing all these gigs around the London area there, Matt. So um, what was that, an A&I gas, A&I chap, scouted you and, then, and what label did you end up signing for? It was – we got a manager first. Oh, Okay. And he'd found us, apparently, by Googling best unsigned band in London. Ah, right. Literally, the internet was quite new then. And he found us at a bowling alley and he signed us. And we had put out some independent – there was a label called Young and Lost. Yep. um, Which were basically two girls working out a flat and they'd put out some independent vinyl singles. Okay. And finally Mercury came to them. I think I'm telling this all correctly. Um, Mercury come to them and said, you're allowed to put out one of your artists. Right. For a full-length album. Right. And they chose us. And our right. first single was Fantastic. Five Years' Time. Yeah, and great then, song. And then the, yeah. The, well, I can remember hearing it. Peaceful. Yeah. yeah. That did really well, didn't it, Five Years' Time? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, you know, annoyingly. So I think it was pretty much uh, omnipresent <laughs> for a bit. What was funny about it, I think, um, 
it was a weird one. I kind of looking back on it now because there was there were a lot of great acts, and we were very lucky with that because obviously it was very successful. But yeah. then no one's looking at it, going especially around that time. Yeah, yeah. I know what's going to be successful. A full credit to Charlie for this, you know. Um, and I don't think he knew either. But like you know, a song with ukulele, hand claps, whistling, and violin. Absolutely. That at the time was not. Like, Absolutely. I'm going to just make a top five single in him in my room. You know, yeah. no one was expecting that to have any traction at all. No. Um, but so. you were kind of doing, or, you know, you guys were doing what you liked. Yeah. Well, I liked it because it was really fun. To, I mean, I was playing harmonium yeah. at the time. I was playing... Um, I was, I was playing a glockenspiel. I was playing a bit of um, some weird, funky 60s echo basses, like um, okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like that, yeah. and Hoffners. And uh, it, was, it was cool for me to kind of just be slotting in. Yes. So they initially got me in on violin, and then the violin player came back, and I just kind of hung around. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was, I was enjoying – we were kind of kind – of, Kind of, it was acoustic. But it was kind of quite punky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, it, well, not yeah. so much on record, but live. Doug really yeah. hit the hell out of a drum kit that yeah. didn't have any cymbals, and no one else was really doing it. What was funny about two years later, all these bands started turning up with harmoniums and glockenspiels yeah. and like you well, know still all, these, all these drum mm. kits with yeah. no cymbals and shakers and ukuleles and i think unfortunately ukuleles are now really popular i apologize for that but they um george harrison was always quite partial to a ukulele i think it wasn't he mandolin let's go (laughs) he Uh, he probably wasn't he probably was was, i think it was ukes i think he was was, i think he was not that i know george but um yeah so the legend says oh that's great so So, so noah and the whale really came quite early on in your career you know obviously you had your, your stint at uni I mean, was there any other bands before that at all? Well, interestingly, the band that I was in was called Hunting Dodo yeah. uh, that I was kind of in for uni. And then when Noah broke, around the last, halfway through about Noah and the Well, I started on my time off going to, with some of those boys who were in Hunting Dodo, we reformed and called ourselves Little Mammoths. Right. And we'd go and play, do tours of Ireland. And I remember the boys, I was playing with Noah. We supported Arcade Fire at the MEN Arena. Um, so it's the biggest arena in Europe. Mm-hmm. And we opened the show, and then the boys from Little Mammoths picked me up in a golf with a roof box. <laughs> and we drove across. Um, we left, didn't even watch Arcade Fire. I heard them kind of starting as we drove off. And then we drove to the west coast of Ireland to Connemara and played to three people the next night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And a dog. It's nice. Dog. And it was. It was. And it was brilliant. But he's a lovely dog, though. It was yeah. a lovely dog. Yeah. But also looking back on it now, we started touring Ireland, and that. So when Noah took a break, which turned out to be permanent, in 2014. 2014, we played. We did 14 tours of Ireland that year. Wow. And wow. which is again also really. I was chatting about this on the weekend. We had this crazy wedding with a lot of the guys from these bands, um, that we used to hang around with at the time. And um, the funniest thing about that is because we're a London band, most people who aren't from London mm-hmm. would want to go to London to play. Yeah. Whereas I think it's we like it was so good for me personally because I'd had quite a nuts eight nine years of not really living in the real world. Right. But yeah. also just to go to these places, 
you know, where folk music have been played for hundreds of years and all these gorgeous yeah, spaces. And yeah, we kind of yeah. play at Cayley level volume, which yeah. is so pretty loud because yeah, Cayleys yeah. can get pretty loud, but with yeah. electric instruments. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, they hadn't really seen much of that. Mm. And it was just, it was really good for the soul. Yeah, and it was we like to play. We didn't even play Dublin. We try and play the West Coast and all these far flung, as mm. remote places as yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was looking back on it, it was a very good kind of settler and normalizer for me. Absolutely, trying to reintegrate from. If I'm honest, because we were bigger in a, what a lot of people don't realize about knowing the well is, um, we were we did ten coast to coast tours of the states. Yeah, that's mm. a lot. Which is very unusual. Yeah, Oasis yeah. have never done one. Yeah. Coast to coast tour of America, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. and we did Letterman, and we did things like Lola Palooza and Coachella. So we were much yeah, bigger yeah. and cooler in the states yeah. than we were in the UK. Mm. Yeah, um, and it hit at a better time for us. By that point, we all had long hair and we were in suits, so we were, we're out of the blue and yellow phase. We're out of the acoustic <laughs> phase. We're into kind of big amps and like you know, yeah. we we're playing places like the Fillmore and all those kind of places. Oh, yeah. Dream of as a kid, so yeah, it was, a bit, it was yeah. a bit like our version of Almost Famous, mm. yeah. but not as cool. But it was still pretty cool, and um, but that it had been like that for a, a, quite a long time, yeah. it, up until the you know now it finished. So for me to be able to kind of the Irish don't put up with any no. crap at well, all. They, they were just they like you know this, they'd often go yeah. to we don't we, we we don't care where you're from like like we just don't care, mate. No. You know, so it would just be okay. Like no. that's lovely. You know, like, they yeah, just like yeah, they're you just, can either play or yeah. you can't. Yeah. You've got to play for three yeah. hours. Yeah, and if you can play for three hours, you get paid in Guinness and accommodation and a bit of food and Perfect. maybe a little bit of money. Yeah, and it was a very nice way of also having played bass for a while, learning it's, how to play guitar. And yeah. sing again in yeah, front yeah. of the band because I've yeah. been singing backing vocals and bass for Noah for the last six years, right? Intensely, it's a great vibe in those places too, isn't it? Amazing. I mean, yeah. it, it yeah. can't. It's stone floors. Yeah, it's wooden walls. Yeah, how yeah. can it not be? Yeah, absolutely. You know. So, and I was very lucky to do it with some of my best mates. We were two guitars, bass, and drums, and we finally ended up taking we Nick Mumford's um, horn section. Right. And we ended up taking a pedal steel player. And um, two horns out out there as well. So I think at some point we were rocking like a six or seven piece band. Yeah, that's okay. Cool. Into yeah. tiny little, like uh, literally yeah, yeah. spaces about the size of this. Right. And yeah, we yeah. pile in and play for three hours. Fantastic. And, it, and we played the Colonna Kilty Guitar Festival, Doolin Folk Festival. That, sorry, this is a long answer to saying that was my second band. <laughs> and uh, and then when that Kind of some uh, all the boys had proper jobs, so fair credit to them. And there was this kind of push me pull you thing. And, but by that point, records and bands had really stopped getting picked up. Mm. Like the turn had happened. Mm. Like they'd realised Noah were the last. This, I'm quite proud of this. Noah were the last independent British band to sell a million hard copies. Yeah, that's amazing. That is a lot, actually. That is yeah. a huge amount. Like, can you yeah. imagine? Like, and no, so I meet bands now, now, bands who's just signed better deals, who made a lot more money than I did, which isn't difficult. But the um, who came like a few years later, and you know, no chance of yeah. shifting those kind of units. And bands yeah. now, I don't even know where you'd find a million. I don't know if there are even a million CDs for sale no, in Britain now. Yeah, so, I'm like, sorry. and where you'd go in this kind of thing that weren't secondhand. Yeah. yeah. So. It, that changed quite a lot, and then um, I, around the time Ma- the Mammoths were still going, I put out my first solo album, Whiskey right. and Orchids. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I think, five years ago. Fantastic. Your solo Four stuff is ago. really good, Matt. Thanks, man. 
No, it's credit where credit. I really like it. I've yeah. listened to your solo stuff, and I really like it. There's a great vibe happening with your band. It's a great it's, well, band, actually. It is. It's a great band. It is. I got. I got super. Well, basically, so what happened was the first two records. Obviously, there's bands on them, and um, Jimmy, who was my drum with Little Mammoths, and who now we're playing with Hannah White tomorrow. And he's the main drummer, I'd say, in the Delusional Vanity Project, mm-hmm. which is the name of my band. But um, great name. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Always check what the abbreviation of that your band's letters are. Right. Okay. That's all I'd say. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. Oh right. Oh okay. Oh, I see now. Uh, yeah. So I'm just saying. Anyway. That's right. just a little. Moving that's on. just that's, that's a little one for just a little one for, yes, you know, that's, for career, our that's career advice for the yes, list of yes. And um, it's not an obvious one because it, it wasn't obvious to me, and I normally spot these things a mile off. But anyway, so um, <laughs> but no, so the first two albums I had bands on them, but then it was for the third record, the last one, um, Beer for the Horses. Yeah. Yep. We went down. It was partly financial and partly because I was rallying and fighting against COVID. Oh, um, my blimey. second album, my second and third album were kind of made in COVID times. Second record, I kind of had to do a lot of stuff was cancelled. A lot of stuff I had to be in a studio on my own or it couldn't get made. So that was kind of fun. I lent into that and really enjoyed producing it and getting weird sounds and used stuff like synths and stuff that yeah. but tried not to make them sound like synths. So I'd borrow like accordion waves and try and replicate them on a synth right, and then okay. add something. So it sounds to a lot of intents and purposes, like an accordion, for example, yeah. but it's slightly more hi-fi and nuanced. I enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, yeah. But having done all of that, I think my third record, I wanted just band in a room, old school. Yeah. And we went to this place called Middle Farm Studios that could kind of allow for that, and you had everyone from the bass cab in the kitchen to, like, the violinist. She, um, she was in the... Um, Hannah was in the kitchen... And then we had a big, loud live room, and literally even the banjo player, Samuel, was in like a glass walkway with glass panelling either side so we could kind of all see each other. Hmm. And the end, uh, you know, it it was brilliant because you do the take and that's the take. And I loved that. And that's what you hear. So I didn't really realise it. It was really rewarding when like the trap beer for the horses got played quite a lot on Planet Rock. It's kind of like that's what we cut live in the room, yeah. which is really cool. That's great. But for the new yeah. record, I wanted the best of both worlds. So yeah. we cut live, exactly different studio. You know, the band's now been playing together about 18 months longer, and you can hear it. But um, then I wanted to be able to go, okay, that's the core of the record. That's the vibe. Now maybe let's think about it. What does this need? And That's where we could go, okay, so we added some considered percussion or i think we need to have this sound or this guitar yeah. part mm. and we overdubbed often like in one take or whatever with the vibe but like a nuanced level of production mm. which has really elevated the record as well it's mm. so, like we played to note there's still no clicks so Good. like you know yeah. so it's still what you hear is and often we kept the lead the vocals all one take often you know, and we yeah. pl- try to muck with stuff as little as possible to retain the vibe. But it's just having that level of production and trying to serve without disappearing up my 
behind, like serve the yeah, vision yeah. of what you're initially trying mm. to set out to Honestly, create. Yeah. So would you say it's a more mature album in that sense? Um, I'd, um, yes. Yeah. I'd say it's the most rewarding. I think. I think it's my best record. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's my best record because, well, I think it's my best record because I've tried to make sure it's my best record. Mm. I think the best feeling you can have after making an album <laughs> yeah, yeah. is... It's how it should be, though. The one you've just made Oh, that's be the great. Best. Next yeah. time, now I want to do this, this, this and this. this. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. all the artists, I think as soon as you stop trying to get better, you won't get better. Of course. So I've often yeah. thought, wouldn't it be great? Like I heard this thing about Tom Petty hated Wildflowers. And it really mm. bummed him out to a certain extent because he's like, I don't know what I've done differently and why this is so good. I'm paraphrasing here massively. But I, I don't know how I can better this. Mm. And um, that must be a difficult. I haven't got that yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In a good way. Uh, nor have like, we. You know, we've been doing you know it forty I mean? years. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. but that's a great thing because it means yeah. that you're gonna, you know, yeah. as soon as you're like, yeah, that's pretty much perfect. Like, I'm done. Yeah, you, you're not going to get any better, are you? You know, you're not. St- no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got to it's, keep striving. You've yeah. got to. There's always something you can do, which is different yeah. in a different way, approach things in a different manner. Mm. That's quite a common thing that we've come across haven't we Simon you know when our guests and that and our previous guest she'd released her album and then you know she was then already moving on thinking about what to do yeah what's coming next you know she yeah. you know, with, the, with the drums especially wasn't she who was talking yeah, to yeah. you about that yeah. so that's that's quite a common thing we found with our guests well, and that and well, I think a lot of my favourite artists um, they, they they haven't achieved the success that they've wanted to and so have had to keep working at it. Yeah, mm. of course. So like, yeah. I'm a big fan of Warren Zevon mm. and he made some of his best work in his 40s because yeah. you know, someone gave him the opportunity to try and record again on a label or with, you know, yeah. he made a great trilogy of death albums um, yeah, yeah. and he was lucky enough to work with Radiohead's Engineers who he's wow. one of his yeah. favourite bands. So it's yeah. kind of like this new opportunity if you will to kind of yeah. prove himself yeah yeah whereas you know he, he hadn't gone on to achieve what he well, wanted they, they, to do they you know? do say that you get a, a flush of creativity when you're in your later stages of your career well, I've seen that before. apparently it's your early stages yeah that's, you're, that's right and yeah. then when you're in your 50s you get a sudden and all this create this is what we've come across that you get this well we're hoping <laughs> <laughs> well the thing the, he said something quite interesting and Stephen was like well if you, like a lot of my mates who um, again I'm massively paraphrasing but like who make a lot of money you then spend time doing um, things um, that people with a lot of money have to do like you spend a lot more time talking to your accountants yes because you have to because you've got a lot of money and you do like, for example, I can only speak for myself, but like when we played arenas and went from playing with no and went from playing like three 20 to 30 date tours of the UK a year mm. to playing six shows a year, mm-hmm. we weren't as good a band. No. Because we were playing yeah. less. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And no one tells you not to do that because everyone else is very happy. But, mm. you know, it. To have my time again, I'd much rather play like seven days of Shepherd's Bush Empire than one arena. Mm. Well, this was the thing 
about maybe bands from the 60s, 70s, they, they spent a lot of time on the road, a lot mm. of time playing together. And you can hear that in their records. Mm. I think it's so important. Well, you so see, one of the worst things that, that a lot of bands don't do now, who've become, become really successful, is they, what happens is they make loads of money and they stop playing. Yeah. I, mm. could, I could list a load of artists that we're all aware of, mm-hmm. and you're like, when did they last play? Yeah. And obviously you get good... It's, people like to cloud music in, like, mystery, and mythology. And uh, I think one of the tr- biggest truis- truisms of it is that you s- quite simply get good at what you do. Mm. Oh yeah! So, uh, and equally, if you stop doing it, yeah. you get rusty. Like any athlete, if yeah. I was just no Well, exactly. One of the things I, I've stopped doing is I, um, I think after my first album, I stopped. I took a break from songwriting, mm. and uh, yeah, it's a bit like getting out of shape, getting back into shape. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm not doing this again. Mm. I didn't take that long off, but I made a conscious effort to stop writing. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, now I've got two kids. Mm. Well, the beauty of having two kids is that every time I pick up a guitar, like it sounds fresh and you're happy to be there and yeah, happy yeah, to yeah. have that 30 yeah, seconds yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You've got to develop new yeah, processes yeah, to yeah. actually write. Yeah, of course. So like, I keep a guitar on the passenger seat and stuff so if I've got like a spare five minutes or whatever do you wake up in the night and think I've got an idea I need to get that down yeah I do yeah I've I did had... that weirdly with the most effectively with um, the new record I was working and writing a lot of different stuff trying to finish it all off and then I thought the record needed something fun and quite light and I wrote this song in literally two minutes and I thought it was uh, um, it's called One for the Grapes um, which is the bar I'm playing tonight, and uh, I wrote it in under two minutes. And I think it's and I I w- went into the studio with the boys because it's hard gauging rockers, especially on an acoustic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of and um, yeah, and we went in and uh, we cut it with the boys, and it it was I thought this is going to be crap, and I was almost embarrassed to play it to them, and it's I think it's going to be the opener on the record and it's going to be the lead um, yeah mm-hmm. there you go it's going to be the lead single but you yeah. often can't gauge that and you often no, no. You, especially if you write it really quickly compared yeah. to stuff yeah, that yeah. I've been pulling teeth over trying to get right and put some songs on this record I've been working on for about four or five years right and they haven't been quite ready yet and I haven't quite got right. the lyrical art okay. ready or the lyric sheet or the chords or something not right about it yeah Whereas for something like this to come so quickly and then we gigged it for the first time last weekend and did it go down? I can play you a demo of it. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, we'd love yeah. to. Yeah, of course. If you are struggling on what to get for the old rocker in your life, how about an old rocker's T-shirt for Christmas? The perfect stocking filler. Buy your old rocker's T-shirt now. Check out the old rocker's website for details at www old-rockers.co.uk
Anyway. Yeah. So, goes I a bit like that. Ice Great cold volume. beer and what? Old guitars? A, an old guitar. Old guitar. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> heaven to me. <laughs> well, I was acutely... What was there to life? Yeah, I absolutely. became acutely aware of how serious quite a lot of the record is. Yeah. Um, I think it's a getting older thing. You know, there's quite a lot of songs about death. There's a duet on about divorce yeah, I've been working on for mate. about you're five years. Old. I know, but it's amazing how um, how young people die. And you know, it, and how more frequently that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. just to make it all really serious. <laughs> but no, it just no. I just, I just, you know, it's. I guess you write about what happens, don't you? Yeah, it's got you a do. great vibe to it. Oh, I feel like a seventies vibe on that. Well, yeah. it's as soon as you start getting the band in a room. Yeah. It takes a certain level of production out of it, and um, like that's a that's a classic groove that Jimmy's played in another track of mine. Yeah, called "Strip It Back," and I thought that we could improve upon it, so that informs that, and you start playing yeah. with personnel in mind. The sixteenth on the hat. Hey? The sixteenth on the hat, and yeah. then I wanted um, something from my guitarist JJ to me and him. To, I wanted to try and play a write a four chord song. Yeah. Because, for example, for shows like tonight or gigs in Ireland, it's lovely to be able to say, you know, oh, it's this, this, it's B flat, you know, C, D, and you know, A yeah. flat, and everyone's like, okay, great, boom, you know. And like some of my favourite Dylan songs, you don't realise how simple they are. For mm. example, oh, yeah. until yeah, we yeah. go, yeah. oh, it's just E, C, and D, great, okay, that's is that the song? Yeah, amazing. It's one of your favourite songs. You know, mm. clock that before mm. you play it, yeah. and then suddenly no one's thinking about what comes next. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. But, um, so this gig you have tonight is this? You do say it's just two of you, or was it? No, it's it's, a full band? We, we fit a six-piece band into the Grapes in Bath. Well, obviously, we don't know that pub. Or, oh, it's or a small. It is, it? It, well, I say it's small. It's slap bang in the centre. It's probably the most ma- ma- makes. It's the least. It's the most bar type pub. In as much as the fact they used they, the guys who run it used to run a place called the Metropolis in Kensal Green which was always a, um, no, sorry, Paradise Bar. Easter on the Paradise Bar. Thank you very much. In Kensal Green and um, in London. And it used to be like a really late night, naughty party bar. Right, okay. And so this feels like, again, it's not like an old sleepy bath pub. You could be in kind of any metropolis. Right, okay. In, you know, any big city in the world. Yeah, yeah. So it's a buzzy, vibey. Sounds like a great venue. Pub. It's a great venue. They yeah. do like they do great live music. They re- they like do like really good Kaylee nights on like Thursdays, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. blues jams on Mondays. But also, you know, it's the kind of place you go in, and people might be doing shots at the bar as well, and just having yeah. a good time. You know, yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah. You know, bath's a great place anyway. It is. I love it's bath. Great. Yeah. I love so bath. we play there. What I wanted to do is at the start of this year, I'm acutely aware how much harder it is. For, people to see rock and roll yeah so i said well we'll do a monthly residency for free yeah for the punters uh the band uh the bar very kindly kind of stretch to what they can and uh we go in and play for three hours right and we'll do an original set and then we'll just do either side we'll pretty much play our favorite songs that we're feeling at the time great. yeah, so yeah. We play great anything from wilco too. to it's great rehearsal yeah, yeah. But also you realize um i've got to sound careful i'm not sounding like an old guy preaching to kids but i think a lot of kids in lockdown and whatever students and teenagers they haven't ever seen up close like a four or five piece rock and roll band yeah like we jam like we take solos like we pass it around we play by ear we make it up as we go along all these kind of things that i i don't know how many like 
some of the reactions even from you don't just don't see that anymore. No, especially for free. Yeah, and I think it's really hard to get people to gigs. And um, there's obviously the argument from some cynics that's like, well, you're playing for free, so how can you expect people to come and pay for a ticket? Mm-hmm. But that's bollocks. Because if you come and have an amazing night at the pub watching, you know, my band play, and you dig it. You'll when you see we're again. doing another gig and exactly. it's six quid on the door, yeah. you're going to pay it. You're going to pay it because yeah. you know what you're getting yourself in for. Yeah. I, I just don't – I think you've got to have faith in – It's kind of an old school way of building a following. Yeah, and it's yeah. people seeing it and going yeah. – you know. And what happened was the last couple of times we've played, there's been a queue for 45 minutes around the block. Fantastic. People can't get in. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so, you know, it's, it's getting traction. Well, it's great stuff, mate. Yeah. So you've yeah. got to do something, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, because what's the, what, you know, yeah. the alternative is you do nothing and that doesn't work as well. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. No. Yeah, I agree. No, it's, it's got a great vibe. Just to uh, step back a little bit, um, what about your early influences uh, when you're growing up, musicians you admired and the music that you admired? Uh, Neil Young was huge. Yeah. Mm. Um, both acoustically and electrically. Um, and what I mean by that is, as a guitarist, he's got a signature sound on both. And what I really enjoy is, I think it's really underestimated, guitarists that you kind of hear and you might not have heard the song before, but you know it's that guitarist. Yeah. As mm-hmm. opposed to people that just play. And I, it's almost like... Um, it's almost like homogeny is quite encouraged at the moment, where it's like, oh, it sounds really session. Mm. It's like, well, it could be anyone playing. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And this, like, I love JJ Kale for the same reason. I'm a huge Billy Gibbons fan. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, guitarists where yeah. you can actually listen to them and you know, you hang know on, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's something special. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think with Neil, it was also, it's almost always about the songs. Yeah, always with him. And yeah. so. That was massive, like albums like On the Beach and uh, the Ragged Glory record when he came and did that, you know. Um, that, yeah, and I remember seeing him and the horse 2001 in Birmingham at the NEC. And that was one of the best gigs I've ever seen. He's done two mm. of the best gigs I've ever seen. Mm. Right, yeah. He did one at Glastonbury as well when okay. he was there at Glastonbury. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, Credence, Credence Clearwater Revival. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All man. the records. I think yeah, Fogarty's yeah. again. Oh. One of those yeah. guitarists seriously underrated yeah. as a guitarist, yeah. as an entity. Yeah, Canadian band called the Tragically Hip. Not many people I've know heard, about I've them. I've heard of them, but I can't say I've Incredible documentary. Yeah. Lead singer got diagnosed with cancer. Uh, they're literally the biggest band in Canada ever. Wow. What, so bigger than won- Rush? Yeah. Wow. Um, oh. Yeah, there's a document. I think they are. I think they've won more <laughs> Junos than Rush. I think they might have sold more records. Oh, good but no, they have, they've never really escaped Canada. They've been going for about twenty five years. But they started a bit that, uh, a bit like the Black Crows. They were twin guitar, kind of like very Stonesy influenced. Yeah. The lead singer called Danny was kind of kind of poet, and he but he got diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer, and mm. then they went on a final tour of Canadian cities, knowing he was going to die. Mm. And at the beginning of it, I mean, I went. It's called. Um, Sorry, it's called uh, Long Time Running. Right, okay. And it's it's an incredible documentary. And for the final concert, like, Trudeau comes out and, like, it's it's a serious kind of nationwide event, mm. you know. It's wow. big. 
So that's yeah. that very, very powerful band. Yeah. Fantastic. The band, the band. Love the band. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. a massive fan of that. I've toured with too many Canadians. Okay. <laughs> who and what I'm not an, uh, in who say not particularly nice things about Robbie Robertson. Okay. In what about fact, Levin Helm? Well, exactly. Who died penniless yes. and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. So, mm. I, I, I don't, I'm not. I don't have an answer, and I'm not Canadian, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think the fact. I, all I'm saying is, I don't think Levin Helm should have died penniless trying <laughs> to um, try to gig. Yeah. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, trying to do all these shows at his farm to try and raise money because he didn't have any cash, mm. like him and the rest of the band. Mm. Doesn't sit well with me. No, it wouldn't <laughs> sit well with me either. No, that's wrong. No, no. And so when you actually with the Noah and the Whale, I mean, when on your first, did, were you a contributor on the first album, the songs on that? Uh, we we got publishing for a bit. Yeah, because there's a name, something Whale, on there. Yeah, I'm no, I was known as Irby. Irby, Irby Whale. Whale. So that is you. That is we me. We kind of guessed it was. Yeah, it was a yeah. silly nickname that stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my thank wife, you for bringing no, that up again, Simon. My, 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 my wife still calls me Irby. And oh, okay. her family will call me Irby. And some people, the boys call me a variety of variations on Irby. <laughs> so herbs, uwa. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you think then, Matt, that uh, Noel will ever reform and, and do a, uh, another tour at all or, or produce any new music, do you think? Or? I, I, I'd be surprised probably if it didn't happen at some point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very good band. Yeah, yeah. Um, Would you, know, you still like to be part of that or are you really happy with your career where it's going now? I think, I mean, I think we, we live, you know, I'm always going to do what I'm doing. Of course. So you know, it would it would be you know, and also it's very it's very easy. For example, like I said earlier, when I was in Noah, you know, it was easier when I didn't have kids, and um, you know, I think we did one year we did close to three hundred shows, and I still found time to do other gigs with other band. So you know, things can be done. So you know, but you get into stuff like, well, how long would this be for? Would it just be for a summer? Would it just be for a couple of dates? Would it Mm. be you know, what do people need to drop? You've got logistics, you know. Yeah, of course. But people don't gig anymore like they used to either. No, they don't. They don't. I mean, like booking agents don't want to book a gig on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. Sometimes even I mean, they don't. Yeah. People aren't going out in the same way as they used to do. People aren't embracing the same. Whereas when we used to go on tour. Wouldn't matter what night of the week it was. No, no. And that's a huge shift that's happened in a relatively short period short of time. time yeah. yeah. Well, they they still do sometimes because I've just been on the tour where we we because our band has got Steve Harris in. Mm. Obviously, I'm made and have to take priority, mm. so they get all the top days, and we're left with the Mondays and the weekdays sometimes. Yeah. And and the great thing is people do still come out. Yes. But this is in Europe. Yeah, I was going yes, to say, is that, that, just, is that yeah. just because yeah. that's a European thing? Yeah. Or something? Uh, yeah. I think it could be, and it's also because if, you know, sorry, I keep dropping my phone. <laughs> if Steve <laughs> Harris comes to town and you're, you're a died in the World Iron Maiden fan, then um, that's all right, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> You'll go and see that, because how often it, yeah. is that going to happen? Absolutely, you know? yeah. yeah. You know? So how often you see Steve Harris on a small stage. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And I but, think that's amazing. And he, he's very good, though, isn't he? He's, Oh yeah, Simon. You and he know, loves he, it too. He loves it, doesn't he? And yeah. and, and and you know, he he talks to all them guys that would never in a million years get to talk to him. Yeah, hundred percent. 
and and that is credit to the man himself. I feel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very good. But I think I think one of the things is you realise, um, it's actually hard harder to play to less people. I know. Than a I large load of people. Mm. One of the most intimidating environments could be like, you know, playing to four people that don't even know you're playing. Yes. Actually, once you're playing on a big stage, songs that people have heard, Mm. and people don't repeat, I sound jaded when I say this, so I've got to be careful, but it is true that like you get to a point with a band where you're only booked to go and play venues if you know they're going to sell out. Mm. The booking agent doesn't want to get cop any flack for like, well, why... Why isn't this one sold out? Why are you booking us in places that aren't full? Hmm. So typically they play mm. conservatively and they book you in venues that are going to sell out. Yeah. So what happens is when you get to a certain stage, you get booked on a tour, as you guys know, mm. and it's all sold out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's what happens. So you lose that kind of, ooh, I wonder if people are going to be there. So before you even walk out on stage, people know your music mm. and people know that, are in a packed room full of people who also love you mm. or like you or like you enough to be there. Yeah. And you've ni- like eight, 95% of that, all you need to do is walk out on stage yeah, <laughs> like for yeah, a lot yeah. of people to be like awesome yeah. and play the right songs. But no, yeah, I didn't always right. necessarily do. Yeah. But the, you know, you just do that and you, you've, you've ticked so many boxes and got them already so far down. Yeah, the line. Yeah, Whereas so if true. you're people, yeah. so often if I'm setting up in a pub to play, you know, either you know the Brits walk in and be like, "Oh fuck, there's li- sorry, there's live music tonight." You know, should we uh, should we go somewhere else? <laughs> you know, is the yeah. instant, and they'll say that in front of you. Yeah. You know, oh, it's like, oh man, yeah. oh god. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's that's just that's just true. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, and then you've got to try and convert people, you yeah. know, essentially in that environment with your own stuff where people have come out and not even wanted to hear you in the first place. If you can win that over, yes. that's a much harder sell yeah. than trying to play on a big crowd where oh, everyone's 100%. heard your song for the last yeah, time. Yeah, 100%. And it's a great, it's a great um, misnomer that it's not. Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, what would you say um, the future holds? What, what are you looking for in the future you know you've got you've got a new record and and you're you're doing some several festivals in fact you're off to a festival tomorrow i believe yeah off to folk in the park tomorrow um really excited headlined by nick lowe oh legends fantastic and uh delamitri oh i love the dells i know he's a big fan they've managed to get them out of um you know i wouldn't say retirement but i don't think they're that easy to get hold of now, playing no. together as a band. Yeah, so right, it's, it's a yeah. huge coup. Um, so um, that's Hannah White and uh, Kieran Marshall, who run the Sound Lounge. They're putting it on. Uh, oh, okay. It's an absolutely uh, wow. phenomenal achievement. Good but on. the um, the future is just to keep on keeping on. I want to keep, um, you know, I, I have started working. <laughs> I'm almost finished uh mixing the new album which i'm super excited about we started slightly writing towards the next one um i i th- i think it's positive it's getting easier it hasn't Good. bounced back by any stretch uh, people are in really bad habits still yeah but equally i do believe if you can play to everybody who wants to come and see you and everyone who like your music knows about you if yeah. you can win those axes mm then there will always be an audience. I am worried going forward that we're in a, we're, we're walking towards 
kind of a shallow grave of musicians watching musicians, mm-hmm. mm. which didn't used to happen in, you know, mm. when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid, everyone pretended they'd heard the Nirvana's Nevermind, whether they had or not, because that's what the older boys were listening to. Yeah, yeah. You know, and everyone dressed accordingly, whether they'd heard the albums or not, you know. Mm. And then it changed to Oasis and Britpop, and everyone pretended they'd heard the records, whether they had them or not, and everyone dressed accordingly, like, they mm. from, you know. Yeah, that yeah. just happened yeah, on a yeah. global scale. Yeah, yeah. It did. It really and I did. think, again, it that did. was one of the last times I it remember, did. like, that. that's one of the last times in my memory that I can remember it being so kind of omnipresent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 get I don't think we're going to see that again. No. Because I think kids are governed by, I think the equivalent of that, tragically, is probably something like computer games. Yeah, that's the well, thing, that's it? the thing, isn't it? There, there's so much out there, isn't there, for young people? For, young where, people, for us, yeah, yeah. it was always music. It was. Every, it was also it was get out of the house from your parents. Absolutely. Now kids are happy to be in the house, locked away in a room. Yeah, they are not yeah. with their parents. Yeah, because we just didn't have that. You know, it was like yeah. you had to go out and yeah, you need to get out of the house and do your own thing. That would shock your parents. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now what shocks your parents is playing a try to play a beat em up game or a shoot em up game or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's other things as well, obviously. Yeah, of course. But like, you know, people have all that world on their phone. Right. Whereas we didn't. So, obviously, uh, Matt, we, we're obviously from uh, East Anglia, Suffolk. I believe you're coming up our way and you're playing a festival. You say Eastern Farm Park. Eastern Farm Park. That was Maverick, though. It's that's just Maverick. happened. Oh, that's just happened. Yeah. I beg your pardon. Sorry, no, sorry. That happened last... You've got two big ones in Suffolk, two big Americana festivals. You've yep. got Maverick yep. and you've got um, Red, Rooster? Red Rooster. Red Rooster. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I couldn't do Red Rooster because I foolishly, uh, both of my girls were born in June. Ah, uh, fair enough. And they have not only birthdays in June, but parties as well that are often on separate days to their birthdays. And the oh, whole thing okay. takes years, each well. birthday party. <laughs> so um, that was very badly timed. Especially as my um, eldest daughter, her birthday is on uh, Glastonbury weekend. Wow. And um, it's my wife's a, birthday. A it's my, February birthday. It's my wife's child. birthday this Sunday. So <laughs> I'm driving back from Folk in the Park on Saturday. So, um, but that's a great festival, Maverick. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I love getting over to Suffolk. Yeah, Maverick's a good, is, a, is a great festival. Yeah, it's really good. So, um, what gigs have you got coming up, Matt? Where can people come and see you? That's a very good question. I've got London shows coming up. I'm at Green Note in November. And yeah. um, I think uh, we just announced a big um, band one, a place called Off the Cuff in South London in Herne yeah. Hill yeah. in December. And I'm sure I'm going to venture out your way very soon. Well, we'd love to come and see you. Yeah. Um, I'm playing. I've just announced about seven or eight shows in uh, September that are from Oxford to Trowbridge to Fantastic. Bath to... Um, Norwich? No, um, again, <laughs> I, I need to get over there more. You know, I'm, I'm desperate to get back to the Cambridge Folk Festival. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Boys, there's any ins well. then? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and again, the Maverick Festival's brilliant. And I'd love, I, I headlined, um, played in Robert Vincent's band as well. So I did okay. my own solo set and I got played, uh, we had a kind of twin guitar attack. Um. Mate, there was a great guitarist, uh, mate of mine called Joe Coombs, 
who played guitar for Rob as well. So that yeah. was a very fun one. We kind of kicked out the jams in a barn for about an hour. Wow. And that was great. <laughs> that had big barn. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, fully, fully loaded PA. That was That's a lot of fun. And your music, where can we find your music? It's all over Spotify. I don't mind people listening on Spotify. If you really like it, buy it on Bandcamp, please. Yeah, and yeah. I'll be a crap postman and deliver it to you and try and get it to you. Cool. Um, I sell it at all the gigs. I do vinyl. Yeah. Just got some good T-shirts made up. I need to Great. do a proper run of. Yeah. And, um, yeah, all, all of the first three albums are on CD. And I would, ch- I would in- encourage any of our listeners... Um, that we've built up. Um, this is obviously our second series, and I would. In- well, congratulations, boys! Yeah, Thank it's you. been it's been well. We've been taken aback by the success of it. Really, it's just yeah. Um, but I would encourage any of our listeners to listen to your music, yeah, Matt. Because give it a listen. I, absolutely, I I love it. We well, probably uh, taps on a lot of. Like, I love the faces, for example. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, and yeah. Like a lot of the ways that I make records is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just recording. According to a lot of um, Ethan John's, yeah, uh, you know, miking techniques, and obviously he learnt that from his dad, Glyn Johns, who yeah. did a lot of the, the free mics know. on the drum kits, free exactly. mics, yeah, all that stuff that you, you guys should do that. You yeah, do that? we did that. Yeah. We did that, yeah. which is annoying when the drummer's like, "Can you turn my tom up?" And we're like, "No." Should have hit it harder. <laughs> um, but the again, like all, all the amps I play, it's all vintage gear in here. All my guitars are sixties. That's probably why I like it so much. You know, yeah, all my amps yeah, that's are why from I, 50s I love that sound. Yeah. That's that sound, man. Yeah, I know. Well, without getting boring, it was hand, it. it was hand built like that, yeah. and then yeah. it went. It everything changed. Whether people like it or not, there's a reason why that stuff yeah, sounds really yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a reason why when the Beatles came on and everyone was like, oh, I want a guitar. Yeah, of course. All the guitars went down the toilet for a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so what sort of gear are you playing And You're talking about your gear. What, what guitars do you use? And uh, My main guitar is a 1966 Gretsch uh, Viking called Thor, okay. which I've had heavily modified, and I run that into a 1958 Epiphone pacemaker. Right. Which is a lovely, it's kind of like a Fender Champ. Yeah, yeah. But slightly more poke and powerful. Okay. And uh, I've just had a, uh, I've, got a, I've got a 1965 Martin D18S, which Ooh. is exactly like the kind of Ooh. thing Joni Mitchell would have recorded oh. Clouds on or whatever. It was lovely. lovely. And I've, I've, have you ever heard of, um, here's a hot tip, have okay. ever heard of um, an acoustic mate called Levin? That name does ring a bell. They're Swedish. They're made in Gothenburg, and um, they were bought by the Martin Company in the 1970s to take them off the market. So Nick Drake, Peter Townsend, Peter Green, they all played Levens. Ah, okay. At various times. Peter Green. So, like, they're very, very good amps. Yeah. Very good amps, very good acoustic guitars. Sorry, sorry. It's a ghost ship. It's a Suffolk ghost ship. Suffolk ghost ship, ladies and gentlemen. Free advertising there. If you're listening, Adams. And I just had a old Fender Toronado made. Toronado is kind of a very weird shaped golden Fender. Okay. Not very popular, but it's crazy cool. And I've had it fitted with like three vintage humbuckers. Mm and a 60s Bigsby. So that's kind of like my right. new chimey mm. electric of choice. So do you, do you play any bass now? Because obviously you play bass with Noah, so... Yeah, I still get asked. I played 
uh, last played bass with Hannah White. I played okay. with Thea Gilmore. Yeah. Um, Thea Gilmore. Mm. Do you know Thea Gilmore? I've that's no relation to the Gilmore. Is that, no, no. I'm she's, just thinking, she's, she's, Thea think? Gilmore is absolute tour de force of. Um, she's been going for about. For, well, she in the Noah days. Mm. So like. We used to tour with Thea. And she okay. was already an established name then. Yeah, yeah. And she's just put out, she still puts out, I mean, she's got a voice like cut glass. You should hear her do, Yeah, she's one of the few female artists that, you know, will do something like um, the parting glass solo acoustic on a record. Right. And it's very English, like immaculate. Mm. Again, we're talking about signature sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can listen to her sing and go, that's Thea Gilmore. Yeah, right, right. She okay. sung, I played on um, a record of hers that went actually went to number one in the Americana charts called Small World Turning. Okay. We sung a duet on that as well. And But I played bass on most of that album. And she sung on my first album, Whiskey and Orchids. Right. Okay. So right. I've got a track called Too Far Gone. Well, it's someone else. We need to, we need to check her out. Yeah. Need to check yeah. out Thea Gilmore. Yeah. yeah. That, and she now does a lot yeah. of stuff solo acoustic with loops. And right. it's incredibly powerful stuff. Well, is, she, is she local to this area? She's um, no, she's Nantwich area, kind of okay. South Manchester. Right. She's like very, very, you know, established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like you know, like she, I had, I played in her band when she headlined Purbeck Folk Festival, for example. Or, right. And she'll do Beautiful Days, and she'll do you know. Mm. Yeah. She's she's got a very devoted cult following i'd say yeah. right and it's very very um heavy great right well that's been well matt i thank you so much for the time that's flown by we that's cannot thank you enough for uh you know for coming and talking Thanks so to much us for taking the time i really appreciate no it. No, no, no not at all fantastic and, it's been great, and we just like to uh, wish you all the very best with your records, yep. your gigs, because we think you're fantastic. Yeah. Really we kind. love your solo stuff. We love Noah, and but we've we got love to come your solo and see you. Stuff. We will definitely, definitely come, come and see you and yeah. uh, stay in touch. Yes, yeah. so absolutely, brilliant. Been Thank a you. Pleasure. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. Fantastic, Simon. That was uh, amazing. I really enjoyed that. So good. So yeah. good, Matt. No, brilliant. Very interesting guy. Um, it's interesting. He was talking about the old miking techniques, like yeah. Glyn Johns on the drums. And yeah, he's got vintage gear and amps yeah. he's using. We love that. Um, and the albums, you can hear it on the albums. They sound amazing. Yeah, you can. And and it, they are also played live too. You know? Yes, very um, old school. Which is not you know not so much done anymore, is it? No, that's the right. band actually sits in a studio and plays it live without any click tracks. Oh, any clicks is what somebody told us. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's the way to go, isn't it? Yeah. All absolutely. the old stuff we love was all kind of done like that, wasn't well, it? Because it sounds great. Well, it sounds real. Absolutely, yeah. It's real, and surely that's what it's all about, isn't it? Because it is, absolutely. I, I, I love Matt's solo stuff. I think he's fantastic. He's a great singer-songwriter, and I check anyone to go check him out, yeah. check his music. As he said, he's on Spotify and everything. And uh, yeah. But just one thing, um, on the way down, whose idea was it? I mean, whose idea? Who, who would do such a I thing? I mean, honestly, I mean, who would say, oh, no, don't come round till so-and-so, let's go this way, not accounting for traffic, so we have to fly down, yeah. set up like you wouldn't believe. 20 minutes. 20 minutes to, to get the podcast set up in 
Thank you to Sue, by the way, yeah, Pocket Money Studios yeah, for helping absolutely. and hosting. Yeah. Oh, the pressure. I mean, and then he sits there and drinks tea. Yeah. Well, we know who it is, don't we? <laughs> and well, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious it's our producer, oh, I isn't just it? don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> you know what <laughs> yes. Yes, and the schedule this weekend is uh, incredible. Busy. But Very I'm busy. looking forward to it. So thanks again for everyone listening. Um, and I'd just like to say it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Podcast.